Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there, welcome to the podcast. On the way today, Winnipeg's Joy Smith reacts to the new federal human trafficking strategy. Our Richard Cluche went one-on-one with NDP boss Wab Canoe. We'll hear some of it and then discuss it. And Chris Janselowitz, one of my global colleagues, will be here to talk about the new fall TV shows. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Let me just play a uh, clip here. The feds have come out with a a human trafficking strategy, a new strategy. And uh, Ralph Goodale, the uh, minister responsible for that area, uh, here he is right here. Here's what he had to uh, say with the announcement today. It is a scourge that afflicts communities large and small across our country. All over the world, it victimizes vulnerable people through sexual exploitation or forced labor. So Ottawa announced this uh, strategy, human trafficking, and uh, the feds, Ottawa, say they will spend another $57 million on the strategy over the next five years and uh, uh, set up a national hotline. Now, Joy Smith, of course, a former politician, uh, now doing really good work, important work, JoySmithFoundation.com. JoySmithFoundation.com uh, joins us on the phone now uh, to react. Joy, thanks for doing this on really short notice. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. So uh, talk about this. Uh, I mentioned the $57 million over five years and $10 million a year uh, as part of this national strategy. Is it enough? What's your initial reaction to this? Well, my initial reaction, if it's true, is that that would be great. However, it's close to an an election, and I'm very skeptical before an election. Uh, They had many years. They they could have done this uh, early on in their mandate. And uh, I noticed that a lot of the um, money is going to different departments like uh, immigration, Canada Border Services, uh, women and gender equality, all that kind of thing. They're departments within the government there doesn't seem to be anything to frontline services. And so it's, I don't know whether, um, you know, this money will filter through to the frontline services, uh, but um, it's, it's very iffy. Um, I also am skeptical because they let the National Action Plan expire three years ago. Uh, they haven't reintroduced this, and all the things they're talking about is in the National Action Plan that, uh, you know, when I was in Parliament, I was a big part of writing. And so I have I have some concerns about this. You know, it's election time, and people are promising everything in the world. Uh, I just want to make sure that they um, follow through. Another thing that strikes me is there's no focus on the demand. Um, the men, men who buy sex, the traffickers who who set them up to buy sex. Um, so it seems to be a little um, uh, thin is what I'm saying. Um, I just don't know if it's just another election um, sort of 
plan or a, or announcement or if it's really going to happen. Yeah, I've talked to so many people. If I had a loony for every time somebody said, well, we're in election time here, let's wait and see, and will it really happen? And if they win, will it you know, be promised? Will they follow through on the promise? I'd have a lot of money in my pocket right now if I had a loony for every time I talked to somebody like you that says that. And we're dealing with that provincially and federally right now. Yeah, we sure are. Uh, everybody gets up to the microphone and they make these gross promises. And, you know, you look back and think, what have they done since they've got into government? And um, there hasn't been much, um, many announcements or much word about what you know, any party is is doing uh, four years ago on human trafficking, and now all of a sudden it's election time, and everybody acknowledges one thing, though. Human trafficking is a huge problem in Canada. So that's an improvement. It didn't used to be that way, so at least we've got that now. But um, this is long overdue. I mean, human trafficking happens every day, and Goodale himself said it happens in every city and in, in every urban area and every countryside all over the place. And if that's the case, and if he knew about that, why didn't wasn't action taken long ago? And I'm just saying all political parties seem to be doing that right now. Suddenly it's the flavor of the month. That's a good question. Uh, you actually led nicely into my next question. When I was on at the tail end of your Jeff Courier show saying that you were coming on, uh, we got this text message, and I want you to react to this text message because I think this person is just completely wrong. Give us some numbers, but here's the here's the text message. Tell Joy she's overreacting. The statistics say there's a minimal chance of being trafficked. React to that. Uh, that is nonsense. <laughs> that is absolute nonsense. It's either somebody who is trafficking or somebody who is... Uh, doing things they're not supposed to do because that's just a very misleading, ignorant comment. And it's been proven over and over. Why do you think the governments are stepping up to the plate right now and talking about human trafficking as if it's, you know, they should have been talking about it ages ago? But when you talk about stats, as a matter of fact, when I took my um, education degree, I had a master's in mathematics and science. And guess what my specialty was? Uh, statistics. And um, I find something interesting about stats because when you look at police force stats and other stats like that, uh, sometimes they're two, three, four years behind because they don't have the resources in to actually get their stats down. And they have stats based usually on arrests, and they do the best they can. They do a wonderful job. I really have to commend the police forces for, for their work on human trafficking, especially here in Winnipeg. But I have to also say that, you know, when it comes to stats, the Women's Foundation and other people go go to the actual NGOs who take care of these traffic victims. And uh, their stats are much higher than any other stats that come out. One example was one year uh, when the RCMP had a stat that was about five or six years ago. I forget how long it was right now, but they had... 234 cases or something like that, and the Women's Foundation found out that, um, you know, there was only over 23,000 traffic victims because they did their stats different. They went to the NGOs who actually took care of the traffic girls. So, you know, stats does not, uh, it's not accurate enough to tell the whole thing, but what is accurate is the 
hundreds and hundreds of stories that come out from innocent victims who are trafficked. And um, it's only ignorance saying that this doesn't happen. And finally, uh, the governments, um, government on any party now, and uh, I know Robert Ouellette said he was going to his NDP and he was going to champion human trafficking, he said, a few months ago, and he does. He's very involved in it. Um, because people are recognizing that human trafficking happens every single day. So I think anybody who makes an announcement, no matter what party it is, they better follow through, because I personally have been noting all these announcements. (laughs) I was going to say, you're not going to let them get away with it. I know you won't. No, I won't. It doesn't matter what party it is. And I have to say, you know, you you can hide money in departments, and I know I've seen money just disappear. You can't even find out where it went. Yeah. And that better not happen on any side of the house from here on in because human trafficking, trafficking is a big problem in our country. Well, and you were there, Joy. You, you, you know how it works. So, I mean, you were the perfect person to keep an eye on this sort of stuff when it comes to money, where it goes. I, I want to touch on a couple things before I run out of time. You mentioned that it doesn't appear as though any of this money is going to the demand side. Talk a bit about that. Are, they are really are missing the boat here on that, or if, if the money's not being spent on that side of this, correct? No, there's nothing there that talks about, uh, there's no focus on the demand in this particular announcement. And what you have to do is cut it off at the neck. Um, If men didn't go seeking sex with young girls, there would be no human trafficking. The traffickers earn, you know, $280,000 per victim per year. Now, that's a lot of money cash uh, tax-free. And and the Johns get their jollies by going and servicing themselves with young girls. We need to address that demand. There needs to be a program set out where education goes out to men. There's many wonderful men, by the way, and many wonderful young men who are really standing tall, and they would never think of doing something like that. But unfortunately, there's a big part of our population that are putting young girls at risk. They never ask how old they are, by the way. They just do it. And one more thing I wanted to mention, uh, again, sort of going back to that text message. You know, a lot of people might think, well, yeah, okay, but this is something that's happening on the other side of the world. It happens right here every day, doesn't it, Joy? Every single day in every city. Uh, And, you know, people don't like to admit it does happen in Canada. And some people are just plain ignorant. They aren't aware of it, nor do they want to be aware of it. I know when I first started, I just didn't want to hear about it. It was so disturbing and so horrible, but I've spent my life doing it, and I continue. I work hard on it every single day. And we have to educate our kids, educate the public, educate our police officers. I mean, we do have an outstanding police force, both RCMP and Winnipeg Police and Brandon Police. They've done some outstanding work on the human trafficking issue. But you know what? They need to go out and train other police officers too. And we have police police uh, officers all across the country now, Halt in Toronto. You know, they're, they're really doing significant things. Dominique Marchand out of Montreal is an outstanding police officer. So they are doing a lot, and they need the community. They, they don't need some silly little texts like human trafficking doesn't happen. And the, the whole world can't be wrong, and this one person be right. I mean, it's silly. So I think I hope it never happens to them, and I hope that they get some education about it and 
You know, it doesn't matter what people say. The evidence is all there, and most people now are on the bandwagon. That's why the politicians are chomping at the bit to outdo each other in making these announcements. But I've noted what they've said, and they better follow through, and that money better not disappear because the country needs it. Keep up your great work, Joy. Thank you very much for this. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Bye for now. dot com. Lots of info there. And uh, Joy, is, I've said it now two or three times. I'll say it again. She's doing really wonderful, important work. For a minute there, I thought they were uh, the guy, the big announcer voice there was talking about this guy here, Richard Kluche. No, no, no. Host of the news, co-host of the news with Julie Buckingham, 4 o'clock weekday afternoons here on CGOB. So yesterday you were chatting with Premier Brian Pallister, the leader of the Tories. Today it was NDP boss Wob Canoe. And compare and contrast as far as leadership styles are concerned. Pallister is acceptable with the moniker of uh, tough love premier. Which you gave him. Which I gave him and he said, yeah, you know, a lot of the things that he's had to do have... um, upset some people, especially in, in health care. Yep. And he says it's necessary. So I asked the NDP leader what his approach would be. You know, I think one of the mistakes Mr. Pallister has made is just not listening when red flags were raised in health care or not listening to the people on the front line who said, slow down. We, we understand that you got a plan here, but it's going off the rails and you need to adjust along the course. And so what I would want to do as leader is be willing to listen be flexible, and be smart. This is our province. These are people's lives that's at stake when we're talking about health care, when we're talking about jobs. So we got to take the time to get it right. Where does that style come from? Like, what is it in your background that says, okay, I need to be a consensus builder? Because the successful leaders that I have known are good at consensus building, but they're also good at laying down the law because sometimes the buck stops with you. A lot of times, it as does. leader, the buck stops with you. It does, and I think in my personal life, but also my political life, I've been forced to confront challenges. It has not been an easy journey, but along the way, I have learned the value of listening. I've learned the values of compassion, and most importantly, the value of being fair. And I think I'll bring those tasks, those skills with me to the legislature as leader, hopefully as premier, that uh, I will be compassionate, I will listen, and even if you don't agree with me, at least you'll be able to step back and say, yeah, I don't agree but that was fair. Canoe is really fighting, I think, for his job. Yeah. That uh, he eventually says he's in it for the long haul here, and I think they have uh, specifically uh, targeted health care and the vulnerabilities on health care. He's trying to get the seats that they lost in 2016, especially in the north and the northeast part. And interestingly enough, you're starting to see uh, Brian Pallister, the conservative leader, uh, having coffee in places like Dakota. So you always have to watch those southeastern ridings right. in Winnipeg. So where where are the parties hanging out and why? In the last few days, that's important. And sometimes it's a shell game. Sometimes mm-hmm. they go there to make people think, oh, we're vulnerable when yeah. they're not. Right. Uh, but this is still battleground Winnipeg. And uh, if you believe in the polls, if you've gone out and voted already, yeah. you know, Canoe is... Um, fighting for his job. But he said, hey, you never know. And are there enough people that are upset about the health care changes and upset about Pallister's attitude towards things? And again, Pallister has uh, declined the opportunity to be on the 680 CJOB debates, the Brandon, the Winnipeg Chambers. And I asked Canoe 
if he had that opportunity to debate what he would say to Pallister. I've been waiting to say something to Mr. Pallister this entire campaign. And what I would like to say to his face is thank you. Because in a way, Mr. Pallister, through all the negative campaigning and the attack ads and the slander, has given me a chance to show the people of Manitoba the person that I am today. And I would like to think that I have shown them that I can stay calm under pressure, stay positive, and still execute on the tasks that I need to do. And that I would show those qualities as a premier and as a leader of our province, that I'd be compassionate and listening and be fair as a leader. But I'd also say thanks on a personal level too, because in spite of our differences, he has done something that I am now trying to do. And I've tried to learn from him and study the things that he's gotten right. And if I do get the chance to serve as premier, I will keep the things that he got right, but I will change the things that he got terribly wrong. What do you think he got right? Well, the ambulance fees, I don't mind giving credit that uh, they were too high. And so that is an example of something that I would keep. But again, this ER reorganization, the closure of emergency rooms, even if you accept the premise of the plan, you have to admit that this thing has gone off the rails. When St. Boniface Emergency Room is turning away patients, one of the most important ERs is turning away patients, you have to admit that healthcare is in crisis. And so that's where I would change the things that he's gotten wrong. Because I want to build a Manitoba that works for all of us. Back to school, were you involved? I know it's <laughs> difficult during a campaign. Uh, kids the election call made it difficult for me to fully participate in all the loose leaf and uh, pen purchases going on in uh, our household. But uh, we did go to Polo Park last night and I did buy some, uh, some shoes for uh, the what boys. What grades are the kids in? They're heading into, uh, well, we got a high school student for the first time ever. So we got uh, grade nine and uh, grade seven. And then we have a one and a half year old, so he's not uh, school age yet. We talked to him about healthcare and uh, the differences between him and Pallister's approach about education and some other issues. Can I just, can I weigh in on this last clip? This is, this is interesting that he said, given the opportunity face-to-face with the premier, he would say, thank you. And, you know, I see the negative ads, and I know research shows that negative ads work. They do. But, but, it, it, but I really believe it's a balancing act. And I, I watch some television, and I've seen some of these negative ads about Wab Canoe. It's gone too far. There's, there's making a point. And then there's piling on. And I think they're piling on. And for him now to take this approach, I think this is really interesting. We're into, we're into the final days of the campaign. Well, it, it, it is. And uh, negative does work as long as you're not necessarily attached to it, right? right. So you never have Pallister voicing those ads. You always have the mystery uh, Darth Vader voice. Uh, mm. You know, we're not sure about this person. Right. That type of thing. Yeah. And it could be piling on, but you're also playing to your base. But yep. uh, the research has always shown that women voters have issues with Canoe. They have issues yep. with Pallister. Where do those votes and go? And understood. And absolutely understood. And here's another question I have for you. It would be interesting to see this race now if... Wab Canoe did not have the history in the background that everybody knows about. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be interesting? It, it, it would be in the sense that that would be the great equalizer uh, in many respects. But uh, if, if you're voting on health care, you know, the system was pretty bad to begin with. Yeah. We were last right. on a lot of those lists. But, and does, think, but does Wab Canoe own that? Because he's a new face. It's the same party, but it's a new face. He may own it. He may own it. But again, I have to say he owns it based on the 
uh, the gut of those people that live in the Concordia and Seven Oaks catchment area. Right. He's not saying he's going to switch it at the Victoria General because for the most part, it's working out right. there. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not into this, you know, forward backwards type mm. of thing, but what I am in my 27 years is that I have talked with healthcare administrators 20 years ago who said, you know what, Richard, one of the big problems we have in Winnipeg is the fact that we're a community of neighborhoods. And in those neighborhoods, there is such a, a connection to that local hospital. Yeah. And that local hospital has to be full service. But there's never really been a full service ER in Victoria, Seven Oaks, or Concordia. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything complicated goes to one of the two yeah. teaching hospitals. It was called an ER, but it wasn't really an ER. Very much like rural Manitoba. Mm. A lot of those ERs are glorified personal care homes. Yeah. So the, re- the, the the tough love approach that Pallister is, is doing he doesn't have a, a a way of being able to, I think, translate that into you feeling good about it. Yeah. Gary Dewar was a tough person behind the scenes. Yeah, but he smiled when he shook your he hand. He smiled, and a lot yeah. of people wanted to have a right. beer and with he was, him. And he was a, a likable guy. We talk about likability. Uh, I mean, all of these leaders are, are not as likable as they could be. And Pallister is saying, you know what? You may not like me, but you need me. Which I think is, is a great angle on it. I, I think he's taking the right approach. And I loved his analogy yesterday. Greg Mackling said this, but I had the same thought as Greg when he said it on the start this morning. The analogy yesterday about, hey, my dad wasn't very likable. But he had to be my dad and get some stuff done and, and make some tough decisions. Trust me, those lines are tested with focus. Oh, groups. I'm sure they are. I'm they sure. Now, one more are. one more question. We're almost out of time, but I want to ask you this. Here's my prediction. I say if the NDP pick up some seats from last time, Wab Canoe gets another chance. If the NDP stays the same or ends up with fewer seats, I don't think that's likely. Um, he's probably uh, done. That's a fair assessment. Who else wants the job? That was my next question. So if Wab Canoe does not perform well election night as the NDP leader and he steps down, who's waiting in the wings? Hannah Fontaine? Perhaps. None of the former NDPers under Dewar and Selinger are really interested in the job. Glenn Murray? Glenn Murray, maybe. Glenn Murray says he's done with politics, which tells me he's not done with politics. <laughs> right, Exactly. Exactly. That would be interesting. He was a new Democrat turned liberal. Yep. Yeah, he could easily turn back. Very easily. Ah, we'll watch with interest, won't we? What is it, six days now? Six days. Till election day in Manitoba. And glad. we can sit here and talk and, you know, have the politicians on and speculate hey, hell, about this hell, and hell, that. Hell, hell. Then it's the federal election. I know. Yes. Yeah. And, and we'll... <sighs> Will we just be tired of it all by then? By then? Well, right. Is what I, that's exactly. You're yeah. looking at the guy that lives this. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, my point was going to be when I said, you know, we can talk about the politicians yeah. and have more because the most important thing is get out and vote. And I know it's kind of corny and hokey to say that, but you know what? You can't complain. You can't sit there and be unhappy about something if you don't take part in the process. Putting together the podcast, you'll be able to download that at the news and uh, on our websites as well. It's about 20 minutes with Wapkin. Chris Jansulowitz joins us, and Chris is Global's National Online Supervisor of Entertainment. I don't know how we got the boss, but we got the boss. Chris, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon. It's a special day when you get me on the phone. It is a special day. It is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting more with you as we go along here. Thanks for doing this. So, um, talk, uh, can I ask you about one of my favorite shows, which is on Global, and we were talking about it earlier when we were mentioning you were coming on? Please ask away. New Amsterdam. When that one came out, I, I watched Grey's Anatomy all the time. I thought, oh, do I want to add another medical show? That is a fantastic show. I'm really looking forward to the second season of that. It's uh, an incredibly emotional show. Um, they really pulled out all the stops season one, so um, I can only guess what's going to happen season two. Uh, it's really compelling. I think that's probably what you like about it, right? Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm worried somebody's going to die after the uh, times, big yes. fi- yeah, after the big finale, um, <laughs> but we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous, to, but we'll we'll see. I'm definitely going to be tuning in. Tell us about some others that you're keeping your eye on. Sure. I mean, uh, this fall is going to be pretty packed. There's a lot of things happening. Uh, There are some shows bowing out. Uh, One show that I probably have to mention is uh, Modern Family, which is actually approaching its very, very last season. I think it's about time. The characters are getting pretty old. The kids are now um, post-pubescent by many years. So, well, most of them. Some of them still aren't, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where things are wrapping up. They're going to yeah. college. People are getting pregnant, having kids. So, um, of course, uh, Modern Family moved from city to uh, global. So we are privileged enough to actually house the final season. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. We'll see how that series wraps up. That's been a long runner. Yeah, no, that's very, it's very cool that, that Global's got that show now. And, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's kind of cool. Seinfeld did it, you know, and, and it's kind of cool when a show goes, you know what, that's, we're good. We're, we're done. Here's your final season. It's nice to kind of be able to plan and prepare and, and enjoy a final season for a show. I absolutely agree with that. I think there's nothing worse for a show than going on in perpetuity. Uh, you know, people leaving, uh, actors leaving, uh, yeah. plot lines going in circles right. or, you know, nothing happening at all. Nothing's worse for a show than that. So yeah. I fully agree. I think most shows, if not all shows, should pick an end, end point and stick with it. And that's actually kind of happening with another show that I like watching, The Walking Dead. All of my favorite characters oh, are yes. dying, they're moving on, they're getting famous, they're doing movies, they're doing other things, and, and I don't even know if I want to keep watching the show as much as I love it. So I, that's you and I a, are on the same page. Yeah. Though. Totally same page, yeah. yeah. So I don't even know who half the people are anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, what <laughs> else? This. Other shows, please. Oh, sorry, yeah. Okay, so another big one, uh, believe it or not, Survivor is coming back for its 39th season. 39, let that sink in, 3-9. And uh, that show never ceases to be popular in Canada, um, probably Canada's biggest reality show. Um, And this season is called Island of the Idols, which is interesting. They have to continually come up with new new twists. Yeah. Um, And then, so this season, what's happening is on this Island of the Idols will be two people, one being Sandra, who was a two-time, the only person who's won Survivor twice, and Boston Rob, another contestant who's won once and they're sitting on the island and they don't have a chance of winning they're not there to win they're there to dispense advice to the actual contestants of the show oh cool. so if you will it's sort of like an island of sages you know yeah. what i mean like the they go there for advice and then they come back to the game and they can either uh, agree or deny the advice that they've been given by these champions and then go from there so i think it's kind of a cool little twist um something to like reinvigorate the show so we were going to see something we've never seen before. You know, and the, to that. and the funny thing about Survivor is that it is, like you said, it's probably more popular here than anywhere else in the world. I mean, the show continues, so it's popular in the U.S., but Canada has always been big Survivor fans. That's right. And some other interesting tidbit about it this season is that for the first time, a Canadian is going to be on it. I won't reveal any more. Okay. You can search for it yourself, but... 
uh, Canadians were finally allowed in 2018 to be, uh, participate on Survivor. So this is pretty cool. We're going to finally see a Canadian in there. So I'm excited. Yeah, too. excellent. Um, you know, well, another, before you before you get on to another show, let me just weigh mm-hmm. in on another reality show. It's it's required summer viewing at my house three nights yeah. a week, and that is Big Brother. And yeah. <laughs> my my wife is not enjoying this season as much, but I think this is one of my favorite seasons. But that's the fun of Big Brother, right? Is you get to yeah. you know you get to know the characters. You don't like them, you like them, you love them, you hate them. They go, they come back. It's it's fantastic. So this season, yeah, has been getting a little bit uh, of naysaying from the viewers, but you right. know what? I'm enjoying it. I yeah. think it's good. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. Go ahead. No problem. Um, another thing that's uh, brand new um, is, and I'm interested to see how it goes, is um, a little late with Lily Singh. So she is the first um, late night host, first female host, I should say, um, and she's Canadian. Huh. So, I mean, that's really interesting. And a, a woman in late night uh, competing against these juggernauts, you know, you've got the Jimmies and you've got uh, Stephen Colbert. Yep. Um, so this should be really interesting to see um, how that turns out. So I'm intrigued by that. We don't know too many details about it yet, but uh, we, uh, Global News will have, we had an interview with Lily uh, a few months ago, so we'll be posting that soon. It should be pretty cool to see. Excellent. It's at cjob.com and globalnews.ca. Okay, um, anything else? Quickly, just rattle off a few here for us, and then i got to let you go, Chris. Uh, Okay, uh, there's a show called Carol's Second Second Act coming out, and that's with uh, Patricia Heaton. If you ever watched uh, The Middle or any of those other shows that she was on, you'll probably enjoy this. It also features a Canadian comedian, Sabrina Jalise, who you might have heard of. Uh, That starts September 26th. That's a nice half-hour comedy. Uh, of course, uh, Madame Secretary is coming back for its final season. That's October 6th. Yeah. Uh, fan favorite NCIS also coming back for season 17, uh, which is, fun fact, the most popular show in the country. I was going to say, uh, there's and, one that's been around for a long time, uh, too, eh? Yeah. Yeah, NCIS is unstoppable. Hmm. <laughs> unstoppable. Uh, and that's c- coming back September 24th for its 17th season. Excellent. So get ready for that. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thanks a lot for this. We'll do it again, I promise. Anytime, anytime. Appreciate it. Chris is a Global Nationals online supervisor for entertainment. Chris Jansellowitz talking fall TV shows with us here on CJOB. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.